Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Yeah, we do. Don't ask me to strike you down, though. Okay. I wasn't planning on it. Um... <laughs> And uh, we also have the person who co-hosts this podcast, who if I did have to choose someone to strike me down, I would ask them to do it. It's Robin Barr. Thanks. And also greetings. Awesome. Um, Robin, would you rather Bill or I kill you? Uh, you. It would be more symbolic. <laughs> I don't know how or why, but I guess we can get into that in a little bit. We also have with us today to talk about the movie The Green Knight, which is out in theaters now. Roxana Dotti. Yo, hey guys. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for agreeing to be back on. Um, yeah. it's, not, it's not always a certainty that people will want to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm just going to talk about Dev's chest hair like the entire time. So That's fine. I was primarily going to talk about his facial hair the entire time. Yeah. His actual we, hair. We have his actual entire body covered. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to make a really dumb joke about, like, especially a narrow portion of the, the upper to mid chest, but no. Um, no. Let's save that for spoilers. Anyway, as I said, we're here to talk about The Green Knight. Uh, this is the newest film from director David Lowry, uh, also written by him, adapted from the classic poem, <laughs> medieval story, chivalric romance. Um, this movie stars Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander. Joel Edgerton, amongst many others, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it because I've been looking forward to this movie for like, I guess like two years. This is one of the many movies that was delayed by the onset of the COVID pandemic, and uh, I'm super excited that I was finally able to see it. And th there was, I guess this is like jumping into a deep end of like some existential stuff really quickly, but like there was a part of me that as I was sitting and I was like, I'm so excited that I'm in a theater and I'm finally seeing The Green Knight. And then I realized that, like, given the way certain things are trending in this country, like, one of these times that I go and see a movie in theaters, it may be, again, the last time that I see a movie in theaters for quite a while. Yes. It's not a dread, well, really. I'm resigned to it. What is it all going to gonna it. stop? <laughs> You're resigned to it? You know, it's like we've had so many ups and downs the last year and a half that we just have to be on our feet now like that's a bad way of saying it but we went from having one life to having a completely different life and there's been some hybrid this summer because of vaccinations but like if somebody just told me boston is shutting down tomorrow i'd be like cool <laughs> like yeah well i know that i know that washington dc is is kicking up a mask mandate again i can't remember when it's starting well, didn't it soon, one of the, right? Isn't it like this week? It may have been like yesterday, if yeah. I'm being completely <laughs> honest. 
Yeah. I think Georgia implemented one, which is one of the places that I thought was like really bad about it. So I've, I found that strange. Yeah. I don't know. I'm supposed to be starting work tomorrow, like going into the office full time again for some reason. And we're expected to wear our masks all day whenever we're interacting with other people. I mean, I'm lucky enough that I have an office, but that sounds there are people who don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre to me. (laughs) They had us for our day job. We started coming back uh, like June 1st. And that was the rule. It was like you were coming back. You had to wear a mask the whole time, basically, um, regardless of your vaccination status. I think ours ours is you have to be masked if you are unvaccinated. Ours at that time was everybody had to be masked all the time. And then basically like a month in, they changed it. um, So that like if you were vaccinated, you didn't have to wear a mask. But pretty much like with Delta starting up again, pretty much everybody's wearing a mask regardless. So yeah, and everybody has to be vaccinated at my job. Mm -hmm. Like the entire campus is the students, the staff, everybody. Yeah. The masks are still required. I, I wore a mask. I wore a mask the whole time I watched this movie, so I did. Yeah, I definitely did. I haven't gone to a theater and taken off my mask. Oh, I haven't worn a mask in a theater. I haven't like you know. I I just I go to the theater. I don't wear a mask. I've stopped wearing a mask fully. I wore mine, but uh, again, I think it's one of those things where it's like, how much of this is like in my head. You know, like I am fully vaccinated. I was in a row with no other people. I was in the furthest back row or three rows in front of me else. So there was part of me that logically was like, I guess I could take this off. And then also part of me that was like, should I? I don't think <laughs> it's think, just you. I you mean, know, that's I not think an all individual of us, problem. I think I'm, I think I, I may have like honestly snapped um, <laughs> because like I, I wore a mask years ago, Brian. Oh yeah, well this is a different snap. Like just as another another snap that happened. Um, Danos? No, no. Um, I did snap about the snapping. Um, if you recall that episode where I basically went on a long rant about death and the meaning of moving on. But anyway, no, I just just because like. You know, I got the vaccine and I kept wearing the mask. And then, like, the CDC was like, hey, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. And I was like, fucking great. I'm doing it. Like, I cannot continue to do this. Like, I just, I think it was just like, because all last year I wore one and I, like, you know, was doing the hand sanitizer thing and, like, delivering it to hot spots. And, like, my distillery partner got COVID and I didn't get it. And then my ex wife had it and brought it into my house and I still didn't get it. And so at this point, I'm just like, if it was meant to happen, it's going to happen or it would have happened. And I just can't like <laughs> if if if, the, if if Hogan declares a mask mandate, I'll put it back on. But for as long as they're not going to make me do gurgle. it, I'm just going to fucking not do it. Yeah, I, I also think it's going to take a lot to get Hogan to go back. I think he is committed to this idea of like Maryland's fine. I don't know, because he was one of the, the people who like was earliest on that. Yeah, it's over. Like we're shutting it down. Yeah. Which but don't I, you think that I he like know. opened stuff up sort of early? I, no, I Texas honestly, definitely did. <laughs> I can't even tell you when he started opening stuff up. My mind yeah. doesn't remember that. Um, yeah, I just like that's that's kind of the problem is like you if you told me that he started doing it in June, I'd believe you. If he told me he started doing it in February, I'd believe you. Like I can't, yeah. I just can't Roxanne, remember. Are you in Maryland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm always happy when it's not just someone on the East Coast, because God knows we got a bunch of New York people, but someone who's <laughs> actually like in the metro area who might understand what I'm talking about. I mean, honestly, I don't even know when our state shut down or opened up. Like, I'm just yeah, exactly, home. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and everybody had different levels of shutdown. Like, mm-hmm. it's like nobody was actually really fully, totally, completely shut down. So it was all just like what different variations we all had. Right. And like, but, again, for, for me, it's been weird because I was already working from home before the, the pandemic right. broke out. And I love it. And I never want to go back to an office. Yeah. Um, and then when everyone else had to stay home, I had to kick my ass in a double gear to start making hand sanitizer. So like right around the time everyone was like, I'm bored. I'm watching Too Hot to Handle and Tiger King. I was like, oh, I spent like 16 hours today making and bottling hand sanitizer. What? What's happening? There's a Tiger King. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we like my day job is like medical school fundraising and like all of our stuff just stayed insanely busy because we were all doing covid stuff so yeah yeah i mean all of us adapted in one way or another but were there a lot of people at the theater when we all saw green knight because i would say there were probably like a dozen people at mine I would which say felt like okay a there dozen were more than a dozen at mine yeah okay oh, mine was a press 20. screening oh you went to a press screening that's very nice yeah. of you know yeah, ours was in Virginia, so I did not do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, um, I will say. Okay, uh, hold on, hold on. How long is Virginia from y'all? It's a okay. Um, it's like seven miles, but that could mean an hour and a half. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm outside of Baltimore, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, so for you, it's more than seven miles. Yeah, for me, it would probably be like an hour and a half in rush hour traffic. Yeah. So uh, okay, okay, things, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, this That's, is great. I love press screenings, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, am I going to drive in rush hour to another state right. to yeah, see this I've, movie? I've, I've, That's so I've weird because given up me, on press screenings just outside yeah. of DC, it could also be an hour and a half in rush hour. Yeah. So just once again, another great way that the uh, the DMV traffic patterns <laughs> make no sense. None whatsoever. It no. enters you into a weird cross uh, sectional temporal rift kind of world. And I I do yeah. want to say, you know, we're talking about like. Who are we sitting near and what's happening? For the second week in a row, in a mostly empty theater, someone was sitting in my reserved seat. No! I like like walked up to the guy who's sitting there holding hands with his pregnant wife. And I think what must Uh. have happened is that, like, they bought the seats that were next to mine and they were hoping I wouldn't show up. And, like, Mm. so he took mine so that they didn't have to then sit next to the person who was directly next to them. Mm-hmm. And so I walked up and I was like, are you in seat like D9? And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. And I was like, I, you don't need to move. Mm-hmm. I just needed to know that you were in my seat. I'm going to sit four seats away from you. I just needed you to know that I know that you did something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how does this keep? I, clearly, I'm picking like the best seats in the house each time. Yes. Yes, I think you are. Where, when are you seeing these movies, Brian? Like fucking two o'clock and four o'clock in the afternoon. On, on Saturdays or Fridays? Yeah, Saturdays and Sundays. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's I just know. a lot of shenanigans that goes around. around <laughs> I, think, that time. I think another but, shenanigans. I think another one of the problems is also that like I've I, having come out of like, you know, the COVID pandemic, I'm now like 
more willing to miss trailers. Like I realized during this mm. whole thing that I don't give a shit about trailers. So like, oh, I'm the actually, opposite. I, I yeah, miss I, I wow. miss trailers so much because like I don't know what the fuck is coming out if I don't see a trailer for it. That's a like good. I'm all definitely in Brian's year, corner. Yeah. All last year, like I had no idea what was coming out, what was what was coming up. Like I was just fucking dead to the world. So, and I realized the reason why is because mainly like. I either get hype from like Twitter every now and then, mainly y'all telling me that there's hype around <laughs> something, and then trailers, and that's about it. Like I, I, I don't seek out trailers independently of the cinema. Like I, I just don't. I like that in in all ways. Apparently, Roxanne and I are like on the same level. This yeah, into, like we're just on each other's team through this whole podcast. <laughs> this episode, yeah. anyway. Um, I think that's usually how it goes. though. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we never, I, we never came I, to blows when we were back in the old the old UMD. <laughs> no, I I definitely feel like there is something different about experiencing a trailer in the theater, but I also just think it's like mm, there are more people coughing and like drinking or whatever. So that part of the Rona panic mm. has definitely. Well, see, like one of my favorite things when we were on this podcast back in 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 the before times um, was like to say like, "Hey, I saw the trailer for that movie that we're one hundred percent going to talk about." Like the run up to mm-hmm. Crawl and Hide and Seek, or not Hide and Seek, Ready or Not, was like just a, a stream of me every week saying, "Guys, guys, there was a trailer for Crawl. I was so excited. It was the best part of the movie. I hated this movie." <laughs> and now I'm just like, I don't need to be there. So like I left the distillery at the time that the movie started because I knew even if it somehow took me a half hour to get to the theater, I'd still be in the clear. Yeah. Except for the fact that, you know, a couple who was expecting a child was sitting in my seat. <laughs> well, I I bought tickets last night when I talked my fiance into seeing this movie and somehow there was someone sitting directly in front of us and when i bought those tickets there was nobody around like the it, the, the center of the theater was wide open and so i'm just like uh, i mean you know i i'm not going to tell him to move because if anything i'm coughing in his direction right but i'm just i'm just like what the fuck are you like there is so much so much like, seating offset by yeah. one you know like yeah you had yeah. to be like, dead center yeah it was wild oh my god i think i think what we're all saying here is that being outside around other people is torture is that what i'm hearing i mean i thought that you know before the pandemic but like yeah, yeah. i mean i am excited that like it took me all of three times back in the movie theater to like suddenly have shitty other audience member stories yeah and whatever i you know i think it's one of those things where it's like i think probably a24 will put this out on digital rental fairly soon because i think for zola they waited like three weeks but i do really appreciate that i saw on the big screen like that was you know i am so excited that i saw this on. i'm so pleased that that was the way that i saw it and as much as we talk about like I have many screaming services like, you know, I just there is still something about the theatrical experience that does it for me. So 100%. I was glad for that. Yeah. yeah, that's why that's why we do this podcast. I assume yeah. that and all that sweet, sweet cheddar we're raking in. Right. All the oh Disney boy. money, all the <laughs> Disney money. We all get paid. Yeah. I know. As a person <laughs> who enjoyed uh, Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Oh, wait, actually? Like, really? I kind of oh. liked it. Yeah. I mean, okay, but again, Rift. this is. <laughs> Rift. This Rift, is how, Rift, Rift, how Rift. I experienced Jungle Cruise was sore muscles, 
barely able to move, laying on my couch, streaming it on my laptop, and then just like having like an apple. And I was like, this is good. I like this. So I thought it was fun. why are you watching things on your laptop? Uh, I just didn't want to have to. What do you get mean? Watch my... things on your laptop. Well, first of all, I it's just it's the 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 Disney screener streaming app thing going to my TV is a pain in the ass, and I was as I said in pain. I was oh, tired because I just wrote. You and I have didn't it want on Apple. T- you have Apple TV though, right? I have like a fourteen generations ago Apple TV. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I, mean, I have it, to say, it works great on my TV. So, well, I, no, 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 no. I watch oh, well, plenty of you. things on my laptop, and not only do I watch them on my laptop, but I put them at the smallest <gasps> window possible so that I what? can do other yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I can do other stuff. It's like what? What is going it's on? A, no it's a window that's smaller than my phone usually. <gasps> may May Christ compel you. Oh my <laughs> I am God, Jewish. I got another. I got. I got something that might also hurt some people, but maybe not. If I'm watching like a sitcom that I've seen before, I will put it on my phone and pop a blue tooth earbud in and just listen to it like a podcast yeah they're oh stage plays it's totally fine to do that yeah, that like is a legitimate the west wing or like mm-hmm. royal pains or yeah, fraser i'm just bananas. like yeah i, I can't, no, I can't. Yeah, if, if I i'm can't. gonna do something i'm gonna do something yeah like, fuck that no i have to do like three things at once Otherwise, the only thing break. the only thing that i will listen to but not watch is the last dance and i've watched that like five times through. oh hell yeah okay. yeah <laughs> but otherwise it's like I'm, i need yeah y'all are maniacs what True. an interesting i, to, I took that personally yeah i took that personally yeah all right um then don't ask what i have watched on airplanes the fact yeah, I, I mean i'm say. going to ask i'm gonna ask <laughs> i mean i watched total recall on Pornography. an airplane it was great <laughs> Hard West Side story f you brian the new one or the old one the old one. Oh well, I assume yeah. the new one. How the places. fuck? Wait, <laughs> yeah, why are you I, saying like F me? I'm the one who's on your side about listening to things like radio plays. It's true. Yeah, but I have to hurt you no matter what. Oh, okay, that makes that sense. Actually, I yeah. guess that didn't really <laughs> hurt you. me though. Thank if you'd you. said like the leftovers. It all right, one all right. of the worst shows of all time. No. Oh, ooh. Well, Bill called a Hamilton, so I can't. You know, excoriate you. But anyway, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we haven't even uh, follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, v- <laughs> We barely actually introduced Roxana. We did have you wanna, not. Like, did you want to like tell the audience where they can find your stuff and who uh, you are? Sure. Uh, I write about movies and TV for a variety of outlets, including Pajiba, The AV Club, Vulture, Polygon, Crooked Marquee, and yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Roxana underscore Hadati. And uh, that's about it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about let's talk about the Green Knight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we do that, uh, patreon.com slash the film stage show uh, for as little as one on an episode, you get access to our Slack channel where Robin's constantly talking about what she's eating. And actually, some of the best conversations we have there are based off of the stuff that you have cooked or people asking for suggestions and you giving suggestions. Thank you. Like today, Zaxby's. <laughs> you said Zaxby's, and I just immediately started salivating. And uh, what else? Right. Um, first clack at our raffles if you give to that. We are also brought to you by Mubi, which again is a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a brand new film. 
and you have 30 days to enjoy it. Uh, they got a bunch of stuff on there that we have talked about. Uh, the thing that I'm going to mention right now, though, that I really want to talk about is the Brothers Bloom, which was added yesterday. Oh, That is Saturday, the 31st of July. It's a 2008 film from Ryan Johnson, who some people may know better as the director of Looper. <laughs> oh, okay, that's what we're doing. Okay. Uh, right. okay. Also, Knives Out and Star Wars The Last Jedi. Anyway. I always thought his name was Rian until very recently. <laughs> of course you did. I Because, like, I, why in the world would Revenant. 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 Um... Yeah, I, I used to think he's, his name was pronounced in a strange <laughs> way, too. And then I was like, oh, it's Ryan. It is literally my name minus the B. And also they didn't put a Y in. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's like right there. OK. All right. But Man. If I had no context for like other cultures exist and his name could be pronounced differently, I would have been like, yeah, it's like my name. But without the B, it's Ryan. <laughs> you know? But here I was trying to be worldly, being like, it must be Rian. <laughs> yeah, it's Rian. It's Ryan. Anyway, this movie <laughs> has Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo, and uh, above all of those people, Rachel Weitz. And um, yeah, the synopsis is as follows. All their lives, brothers Stephen and Bloom have perfected the fine art of the con. Now they're ready for one last spectacular score, luring Penelope, an eccentric heiress, into an elaborate scheme that takes them around the world. Uh, this movie has an opening sequence that is a prelude that is in rhyming verse that is narrated by Ricky Jay. And that alone is a reason for me to recommend it to everyone. And um, also, I think it's it's probably the movie that the least people have seen of Ryan's. So uh, so check it out. It's on movie. You could get a free 30 day subscription to movie by going to MUBI.com slash film stage. Again, it is MUBI.com slash film stage. So that's that. Um Boy, I feel like I had meant to use this section between plugs and commercials and everything to talk about the whole, oh God, oh God, I really don't want to not be able to go to a movie theater again. But we already did that. So luckily, I think we can skip over everything um, and we can talk about The Green Knight because Jordan Raup had initially given me the right and the privilege to uh, go on a rant about uh, Jungle Cruise if I felt like it. But I feel like we got a lot to talk about with The Green Knight and um, we've already wasted, I won't say wasted, we've already oh. utilized yeah, a lot of time uh, in order to talk about uh, important stuff. And once again, um, if if it were to be the case that this were the last movie I'd seen in theaters, aside, like, you know, and until another shutdown, I feel like this is a good one. The last time it was The Way Back, and I was happy, and this time if it's The Green Knight, I will also be happy. Um, at least it's not Fast 9. What? Uh, <gasps> I look. Oh, wow. I enjoyed Fast Nine, oh. but if if I had to look back, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I, I enjoyed no, Bill, because I think part of my thing was like in the movie. I was like, yeah, this is fun. This is fun, and then it like like evaporated like cotton candy in a rain. <laughs> no, that, that movie sh- dog shit. Yeah. No, it's not good. <laughs> um. But anyway, um. Yeah. So here we are to talk about the Green Knight. Um. For one of my favorite working directors, David Lowry. Again, the adaptation of the anonymous poem written by David Lowry. And this movie stars Dev Patel as a knight who could alternately be called Gawain, Gawain, or Garwin, depending on which character in this movie mm-hmm. is speaking his name. And uh, that's just one of the many delights that this movie has to offer. 
So we're going to talk about it here is the trailer. Friends. Brothers and sisters. Who can regale me and my queen with some myth? Or tale? So that is the opening of the trailer for the Green Knight film that is out in theaters now and is once again based off of the thing that we all probably pretended to read in high school. <laughs> it was Gordon. not in the curriculum of my high school. Oh, fucking nope. seriously? No, no. Dude, dude. Um, if, if my memory serves correctly. Oh, you know what? I think I might have been wrong. I think it might have been middle school. Jesus, really? worse. <laughs> yeah, I went really? to a public middle school, first of all. So let's let's can the attitude, people. <laughs> it's not like I went to like Birmingham prep or some bullshit. But I have a firm recollection of reading passages of this out loud in class while going through the throes of puberty. So my voice kept breaking and everyone was laughing at me. Oh, well, that's a lovely memory. Yeah. So this, this movie was working uphill in ice skates. Anyway, um... So here we are to talk Some about motherfuckers. This. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Bill, for catching the reference. Anyway, uh, so here we are to talk about it. Super excited because, as I mentioned, I have uh, loved everything that I've seen from David Lowry previously, and I had no reason to expect that this movie, which features Dev Patel, one of my favorite young actors, would be any different. And uh, here, let's talk about it. Let's begin with our guest, Roxana. What were your roundabout, spoiler-free thoughts on The Green Knight? I also, like you, have been waiting for this for like two years, three years, maybe. And I really loved it. It reminded me very much of Justin Curzel's Macbeth and sort of these movies that take these old Shakespearean or Arthurian stories and give them these very striking, often uncomfortable and unsettling visuals that I thought really worked with the inherent sort of confusion that Lowry puts into this story. I like the changes that he makes from the source text, which we don't need to get into because we're not in spoiler space yet, but I really liked the tone of it. I loved Patel. And I also really liked something that Dev Patel has done lately with his career is that it seems like he is purposefully taking these white coated roles and making them his own. Um, he did it with David Copperfield. The Wedding Guest, which not enough people saw, but which was wonderful, is basically this neo nor with him as sort of like an assassin hired hitman figure. Um, and so I really enjoy this phase of Dev Patel's career that is sort of pointing out his otherness, but also making the case for why that otherness is necessary in cinema and like in life. So I really liked that this movie did that. It sort of spoke to the fact that Dev Patel is in this role, which normally is, as we see in everybody else in the film, a bunch of white guys. And I liked the tension that it created between him, the rest of the knights, King Arthur, his mother, um, 
And so all of that worked for me on top of what I thought was very thoughtful, deliberate pacing, and just very beautiful production design. So I was all in. All right. Robin Barr. Um, yeah, I, I liked this one. I have to say it did take me a while to get into it. Um, I don't know if it was specifically the film itself or maybe the setting that I was in in the movie theater, but I did struggle uh, not to doze off during the first 20 minutes or so. I think I really like my eyes just started to close. I think the scene where uh, his uncle is on the screen, Uncle Arthur. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've demoted King Arthur yeah. to his uncle. Well, I will say that I didn't realize until the end, until I was outside of the theater and I was saying to my husband that I fell asleep and that old guy started talking. He's like, you mean King Arthur? I was like, oh, is that who is that supposed to be? You know who be? my favorite president was? Malia's dad. <laughs> oh, the Sean well, Harris. You know. Sean Harris's voice is so great. Sean Harris. Um, it's not his needs to fault. go to a doctor is what I'm yeah thinking. that's true it wasn't his fault he, he that has I fell a rumble <laughs> it was just it was like a little like lethargic um i would say the pacing in general was languorous but like that particular scene so then like i would doze off then the green knight came then i dozed off and then i woke up again and he had lopped the guy's head off and i really had no idea what happened um, and I was not at all familiar with this story before. So I came in completely pure. Um, so and then I just didn't understand. I was like, didn't he know that this was going to happen to him? Like, <laughs> I just didn't understand why he chopped the guy's head off. <laughs> like, uh, and my husband was like, well, it's because he was brash. And like, nobody expected the guy to pick up the, his head. But I'm like, right. Yeah. You know, he it, promised. It... <laughs> I love <laughs> I love how you're like, I don't care if you kill him. He promised. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, it's going to bite you in the ass because magic exists, dude. Anyway, but I, I did have a good time with it, um, I love even it. though I was like this. There's like a very thin story, but it was so visually arresting for me. Um but not in a way that's like, oh, this was like eye candy or or CGI or whatever, like there's obviously CGI in it, but it relies much more on cinematography, costuming, sound design. Um, I was really into the, like the makeup and, and the production design. Like it was just so sensorial and that's what I really appreciated about it. And so what the memory that I'm going to have is not really about the, the thin story or, or like the sparse sort of character building or anything like that that kind of doesn't matter to me because it was so otherworldly. And my husband um, was describing, he's like, Oh yeah, this movie was so heavy metal, like all of the skulls and the fiery skulls. And I was like, yeah, like it was, it, it was just, uh, um, it was the horror elements just really made it work for me. So I'm, I'm curious what other people thought. Let's find out Bill Graham. So 
I guess maybe I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, um, and that's <laughs> that's fine. Um, I didn't nod off during this film, but I definitely found myself like just kind of losing losing pace with it towards the middle. Uh, it was not during the opening. I was I was very struck by the way that this uh, film kind of opens and the way that David Lowry kind of cuts around and has title cards that are in interesting fonts that always seem to change and do interesting things. Uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it and I, I was really finding my groove with it early on. Well, I know that a lot of people will not. Um, I know mm-hmm. that's that's going to be something that's going to be off-putting for a lot of people because they're going to be like, well, is this a normal movie? What's going on? And I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an A24 movie, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what you expect by this point. Um, but that being said, I did really enjoy uh, everything that the the film was going for in terms of mood, in terms of uh, the feeling of it. Now, mm-hmm. uh, some of the narrative choices and things like that, I wasn't necessarily a hundred percent on. But that being said, uh, I really, really enjoyed this for the most part. Um, I don't have a lot of uh, negatives to add. Uh, I was very unfamiliar with the basis of the story and things like that. I had, of course, seen all the trailers for it and was very, very hyped for it because I also liked a lot of David Lowry's uh, film output, um, particularly uh, Pete's Dragon, which is one of my favorite films of that year. Um, And so I was curious to see what he would do with something that felt very, very grim and oppressive in a lot of ways at least from the trailers and uh i think the film definitely delivers on that as well um so it it is an interesting change of pace for him um whereas some of his films uh you know the old man and the gun maybe have a lighter touch or you know i mean even ghost story has a more of just kind of a I don't even know if I would call that film uplifting but it has a lighter touch than this one I would say um, I think this one compares a lot to uh, what, what, what was his uh, western film I can't remember the name Ain't of them it body Ain't Saints. Them Body Saints yeah I think I think this compares favorably to that um, in that it is kind of um, it is a little bit oppressive and it is a little bit uh, dour at times. Um, but I was I was surprised by a lot of the people in this. I didn't know Alicia Vikander was even in this because I don't think she's shown in hardly any of the trailers. And of course, she's got like a short bob cut, which, you know, doesn't necessarily favorably uh, resemble her in most of her other films. I don't know. So, in Ex Machina, she has no hair. Mm-hmm. Sure. And she does sport this hair in particular so but in Ek Machina I wasn't necessarily struck by um her that's just like a completely different thing well she is a robot yes yes (laughs) and she doesn't have a body for half the (laughs) same button nose correct (laughs) well I also think that like they Lowry said that he like completely recut it after South by so I also think that there's like yeah, there's a lot of stuff that was in that very first trailer that I mm. think does not make it into the movie. And A24's press materials 
are obviously also outdated because they show Vic Ander's character in different outfits than what is actually in the movie. So mm-hmm. I also think it's just like as a as a fault of the you know year long delay or whatever. I think mm-hmm. a lot of what we might have originally like attached to this movie from the first trailer and stuff did not actually make it in. So do we have to start so, like a hashtag or release the South by cut? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I will one hundred percent do that oh i mean like yeah i'm joking but i'm also not joking i would i would i would love for him to you know terrence malick or or uh francis ford coppola style just like recut this movie a couple times and release each one yeah yeah okay so so this was scheduled it looks like uh for south by in march of last year yeah uh, r.i.p south by uh but and then uh was scheduled to be released it looks like in may uh, Mm -hmm. later that year so Mm. yeah Mm. that uh that was unfortunate timing um but yeah it's it's here and it's queer is that is that is that appropriate to say? Uh, Slightly, yeah, I think so. Given yeah. the okay, yeah, given go. the the old timey speech, I think I can say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. yeah. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Also, they're British, so you know. I don't know what that has. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. British still <laughs> say queer to mean like Brian. un un like like weird, don't they? circumstances yeah I think we the... should tiptoe away from this <laughs> back <laughs> into toward a something <laughs> else yeah I uh it's interesting that um I don't know I I did not think it was that oppressive like I definitely found old man in the gun way more depressing and ghosts oh. way more depressing I am um, so interesting I I, yeah. I, I was gonna say I to, to to tiptoe into actually doesn't he say that in this movie that's a queer portrait when she yeah it, no 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 he, okay it, it is used yes, cool yes, good yes. all right i'm feeling better um yes to to sidestep into my own uh review while addressing what you were saying um no i can't even remember because i was just so oh, excited boo. to remember that they were saying it anyway i i really liked this movie oh i do remember what i was gonna say yeah this felt a lot more ghost story to me than ain't them body saints um i do i don't know about finding old man the gun depressing i found that to be oh, a, a joyful uplifting little film Mm-mm. i think no. robert well all right we're gonna have to talk about that um yeah because robert redford like his little impish you know <gasps> His performance is 100% impish, but I think it's about, like, the inherent tragedy of linear time as a ghost story. Yeah. About the fact that, like, you know, there is no escaping getting older and dying. But he's still finding joy. Like, that's, that's, I think that there is something to be said for, like, you know, this this guy has figured it out and, like, he may settle down, but, like, at the end of the day, he knows he's going to die and he's going to go and rob a bank because it's what he's good at and what gives him joy in life, which is maybe not yes. like, you know. I don't know. I think also about like Elizabeth Moss's like abandoned daughter character. I mean, I think obviously like Redford's performance in that movie is like fucking perfect. And I wish that he hadn't also done some like Marvel shit because I wish that was what people thought as like Redford's <laughs> r- real true last performance. But I do think that like all of Lowry's movies are inherently incredibly melancholy about like the responsibility of being alive. Oh, 100%. And that's one yeah. of the things I like about this movie is yes. that my father told me something when I was 11 or 12, 
probably around the time that my voice was cracking reading Sir Gawain in the Grey Knight. Um, he said, and it, I think he's cribbing this from someone else, and someone can tell me, and maybe I should have looked it up. But it was character is what you do when you think that no one is paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. And um, that has stuck with me for forever, obviously. It still is one of my guiding principles. And, um, you know, there's a lot to Lowry's movies and this movie in particular. And, and as you were saying, the old man, and the gun that that plays into that, where it is that question of like, what is it that gives these people their character and and what is their ethos? Like, what is their ethical and moral guiding lodestar? And I, I you know, you can see that in movies like um, Ain't the Body Saints and, and the Old Man and the Gun. But this movie I loved because it literally takes that like thematic element and is like, and that's the whole movie. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. We're going to we're going to make this an entire movie about what is it that that this person is living for? Why do they want to live? Why do they have to die? Like, what is the thing that will will cement them in some way in, in the annals of history? And like. It's it's just I love it. Like I love that, you know, any any movie that puts a person's like moral soul at hazard, I'm all about it. Any movie mm-hmm. that involves a beleaguered protagonist uh becoming more and more dirty and tired as they have a series <laughs> of like picaresque episodic he, he encounters. Does, he- he does get washed up quite a bit, though. That's like, the thing. Like people, people, well, people take care of him through this journey. Right. You've seen the <laughs> movies like this. You get super dirty, then you get clean, and it's a respite, and then you get dirty again. It's like the road or the proposition. <laughs> like you know, you get these people, you make oh, them Jesus. gross. It is. It is not that that grimy of a movie. <laughs> it gets pretty grimy. Gets, I feel like it gets gross. pretty grimy. Yeah, like it looks not. like it smells. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just the time. <laughs> right. It's not like the road levels of like you're also covered in like entrails and fleeing rapist cannibals. But he does. Well, I mean, the prop pretty is- dirty. <laughs> Yeah. The proposition is just a sweaty fucking movie. This movie's yeah. not sweaty. Well, it's England. Oh, I know. think it's sweaty. During December. Is sweaty? I don't know. Who, who would you say was sweaty? It's winter. I, yeah. thought Dev, I thought Dev was sweaty. For sure, I thought he was sweaty. Maybe he's got, like, the cold sweat of a man who knows he's yeah. going to die. You know? I, I mean, like he's, he's sweaty very... in the brothel scenes and the bar scenes, but that's like because he's... Well, if you're sweaty. not sweaty in a brothel, Bill, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's also <laughs> blowing, like, a 0.3%, yeah, you know... Drunk yeah, drunk or drunk. I thought so. he was very sweaty in the forest with the... Oh, with the highwaymen? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. He, he sweats it up. To be fair, like, yeah, he's in a lot of situations. He does not where sweat no it up. Don't, much... don't just <laughs> lob that in there. No, he's, I refuse. He gets sweaty because he's constantly <laughs> imperiled because of his own poor judgment. And that's, yeah. that's what I love. So there's a lot. One of the things that I think is best about this movie is that while thinking about it since seeing it yesterday, I've come to like four different understandings of its narrative. And I don't think any of them are wrong. And I think that I could say one of them and someone else could have a completely different one. And we'd both be able to come up with very like awesome, cogent arguments for it. And we'd all be fine. Like there'd be, there, we would not be angry at each other for having read it a different way. We would instead become enthralled by the further richness that we have discovered in it. Like, like 
like so there was pony up it's pony yeah up. don't yeah don't just be like oh yes i have numerous readings of this film and then <laughs> I mean, not it's not like any of them are they super, are they're not like totally all right so yeah so one of them is just like you know it's it is are it we is in a deconstru- no we're not but we'll get there pretty <laughs> okay. quickly one of them is like it's a deconstruction of the concept of like chivalric knights and like what is this place and so it's kind of a um an inversion of that you know showing us showing us the what should be there by showing us its absinthe absinthe (laughs) it's absinthe absence oh my god (laughs) i keep i really want some absinthe right now apparently um so basically it punctures a hole in in a long tradition of like what is knighthood by showing us like kind of the ugly truth of it another version though could be you know, just the basic, like you know, what what is what are the th- what are the things that we carry with us, and what are the things that outlast us, and so it is it is just like this is showing like if you strip everything away, even if you fail in all things, if you at least you know take the end with grace, you have achieved a level of heroicness that most people would not find. You know, no matter how much of a, a I don't want to say dirtbag, but like. You know, if it, no matter if you, you know, reneged on promises, no matter if you never paid kindness back, like if you get to a certain point and you still are able to fill that one promise, at least you have that. And then there's another way where you can look at it where it's like, this is a person's journey towards Christhood, basically. Like, if you think about the story of Jesus, it's it's about a guy who, like, is living his whole life with the knowledge that at some point it's supposed to end with him being brutally murdered. Oh, is that the whole story? Yeah, that's pretty much most of it. <laughs> so he knows ahead of time? Jesus? Or yeah. Gawain? Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Yep, he knows what's coming. Um, Why, does uh, like a star tell him or something? <laughs> <laughs> Not a star, a prophet. A prophet. <laughs> No, I think it's just like... I'm a, being serious. Not, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> you sound so... I'm glad to know that you're serious. I was very confused. I'm not being sarcastic. It's just your Christian hegemony that thinks I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) Also, just your your Boston way of speaking, which as a New Yorker, I totally understand. Um, I'm from New York. I know, exactly. (laughs) We've had conversations about this, how like we both have like gone through life with the same thing where it's like we have to constantly tell people that we like actually like them and the way that we're talking is just the way we were raised. (laughs) But wait a minute. No, seriously. How does Jesus know that? I mean, you know, God speaks to him. He has like a knowledge of of the uh, the prophecies that have come before him. And he's like aware of the fact that he is a fulfillment of those prophecies. And so like he he's he when he prays in the garden of Gethsemane, just <laughs> I can't talk tonight, guys. And I am so sorry. Um, he says like, you know, father, if it be your will, like let this cup pass for me. And then, you know, he doesn't get an answer back. And he's like, all right, I guess I got to do this thing. So in a way, you know, but but Jesus lived his life, you know, going just by the scriptures and everything in a way that was like, he was a nice guy. He raised the dead. He fed and clothed the poor and the hungry, you know, and then he and then he walked up to the cross and he let them kill him. And in his last moment, he said, like, you know, forgive them. They know what they do. Class act all the way up to the end. And so it's Gawain starting as far away from that as possible and trying to scratch his way as like, you know, a member of this royal cohort that claims to represent Christendom, you know, to finally, at least in his like final moments, maybe 
attain some sort of like Christ-like, you know, grace. What does he do that's so good? Well, that's the problem is he doesn't do anything. He basically, well, all right. So we're going to be at spoilers now. I'm just going to claim. Spoilers. <laughs> Are we just, okay. We're just going right in. All right. It's, yeah. it's, it, this is like a, a difficult podcast to moderate sometimes because the conversations take on a life of their own. And, um, I, I give this film hours. a green, a green thumb up. Two green thumbs way, way up. Um, I would say that <laughs> I think he, Bill just said one thumb. He said thumb. Yes. Well, yeah. I said two green thumbs. Yeah, I vote two. I yeah. vote two. I liked it. I thought it was friggin' solid. How many green thumbs? <laughs> it's friggin' solid. Three out of four stars. Green stars? Oh. Sure. There you or can yellow be stars. Because yellow is another predominant color in this. Now, I'll give this yeah, a know, green like, thumb up and a, and a regular yeah. thumb up. I wanted that velvet mustard pashmina so bad. Yes, that looked so, so comfortable. Badly. So bad. The, this film has 100% dropped the bag on merch. Because like, yeah. I would buy so much I know, stupid merch. I would buy that. I would buy yeah. like whatever Sarita Chowdhury was wearing. Like, they, I want yes. that. Yes. They make so much stupid merch that yeah, uh, they make like uh, is, is it Seaver? Yeah, is it Seaver that like enjoys like buying just like dumb A twenty four stuff? Yes, yeah. like oh look at this shirt that has nothing to do with this film. Oh look, it just says the film's title on it, and it's yeah. a white shirt. Isn't this yeah. great? And Roxana, I'm like, was oh, it you who I, I spoke to that. at length on Twitter about like their scented candles? Yes. Have you gotten one yet? <laughs> I have not. No. Neither have I. What? But I I keep thinking that I should get the fantasy one because it comes with the crown, and I I want <gasps> the crown. Oh my god, I want that so bad. Oh, oh yeah, crown. yeah. So A twenty four A twenty four has these bougie scented candles that are yeah. like based genre. on each like movie genre. Mm-hmm. So they have a fantasy one for the Green Knight that comes with oh, like okay. a cardboard crown. I, th- um, I thought we were talking about the crown that belongs to uh, what's 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 the fucking uh, guy that we were laughing about Arthur? the god. No, oh. no. Uh, what is that fucking movie? Jesus. God oh my God. damn it! Um, the one, the one before. Ah, oh, Jesus. Okay. Bill, you are Never not mind. helping. You just describe it, Bill. Uh, well, it is. It is uh, the one where the woman gets decapitated, uh, or the uh, young girl. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Hereditary. Yes, oh, and we were payment. laughing about. Yes. Yeah, King yes. Payment. King Payment. Yes. Payment. Yeah, yes. I thought that that was yes. the crown that you were no. referring to. But no, no. this okay. comes with like an Arthurian, like the crown that Arthur wears. It comes with like a if, cardboard version of that. I don't know if the crowns in this movie have like a historical basis, but I fucking they love were them. dope. Yeah. I was they obsessed awesome. with the crowns in this, and they yes. looked like they were from icons, like a very oh one hundred percent. I mean, that's what I it loved about gorgeous. them because I was like, yeah. oh right, yes. if these are rulers who are supposedly selected by God. You would 100% give them the halo of light that all the icons yes. have around, like Christ yes. and Mary and all the saints. Like, that and is just. Oh. This is like a medieval movie, but I mean, this is oh, not. It's a hard like, rock movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. But this is not taking place in the Heavy 11th metal, century. This is much, much earlier. Whatever it's I, supposed I, to I be. I have no. It's no supposed clue. to be the 14th century. There's no, so, this is not 14th century at all. I mean, maybe that's, was that when it was written or like the, yeah. 
But I it's think one it, of those things where like, but yeah, Arthur's but it might have be been like a, from the 500s or something. Well, that's like, you know, when they say like Beowulf, you know, it's like, oh, that was a manuscript written here. But like people right. might have been singing that song for like 100 years. Yeah, I think he was like a, a sixth century figure or like not really a figure, but that's when that's when it was supposedly there was an Arthur like ruler. So this is supposed to be much, much earlier than it's possible. I don't know. It's a good question. So it's just weird. Like it keeps being described that way, but actually it's much more Middle Ages to me than Late fifth medieval. and early sixth centuries, King yeah. Arthur. So yeah. what is the, I mean, you uh, can just, like, medieval, is the name of that era? I presume the Middle Ages. I mean. Medieval histories. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? No, it's, a, it's oh yeah. Very Middle much Ages is from the 5th to the 15th centuries. Wow, they really just decided to cover a whole lot of time with that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying like medieval Europe was much more cosmopolitan than the the village or the the kingdom that they have here. So I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there. This is happening more than 600 years before most people think so the think, dark think ages not to be an asshole but does that matter i think it does matter because we have such a limited idea of what medieval means that it, mm-hmm. it all gets lumped together and i would i would agree just in, in terms of like historical consciousness and context because it's like when you go to the renaissance festival mm-hmm. and if you really wanted to be a dick you'd like bring a history professor along and they'd be like that's the fifth century that's the 1700s like what are we doing here people yeah i mean it's all merry england it's right <laughs> it's very consciously an amalgam banners and maidens. Uh, so then how does dev patel's casting complicate that if at all I'm not sure it does. I mean, I didn't, I didn't read it as like a, well, first of all, it's not as though there weren't quote unquote people of color in this time period in this place. It's just that there's not a lot of like recognition of that. I Mm -hmm. mean, if you about it, this is an area that was colonized by Rome. Rome brought, tons of people to this area and Rome wasn't just what we think of as white um, because of their, because of their history of colonization and they were all over the damn place. So I don't think it's, it it just didn't strike me as like weird or like conscious. Like I wasn't like so conscious that this is like a, a man, like a Brown man or something. It struck me that way, but maybe not because of history, but because of Hollywood. Like because yeah. of the casting and and particularly the the people around him, right? Think about movies yeah. that I take mean, place say... in ancient Egypt. Like getting right. a brown yes. person in one of those movies is impossible. Yes. And now we've got <laughs> Dev Patel playing Sir Sir Garwin. Yeah, Gawain. I mean, to me, like as a brown person, it's sort of the same thing as what happened with like Mary Queen of Scots, where like they cast a couple of women of color as like handmaidens, and everybody like. F- flipped the fuck out and so it's the same thing where it's like i think you're correct that like historically obviously these people existed and it is our own stereotypes and cliches that have wiped them from the historical record but in terms of like seeing it on screen i still do think it is like important and it's like to have cast him and to have cast sarita chowdhury as the mother that everybody thinks is a witch, right? So it's yeah. like mm-hmm. I I do think that was very thoughtfully also done. Arthur's sister, stepsister, which, yeah. yeah, yeah. I do, you know it, to me is she the, supposed to be Morgan Le Fay? 
Yes, she yes. is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She, um, I, I here's the, the thing. blind woman is supposed to be Morgan Le Fay. I think they're she's supposed to be the blind be woman. The too, same woman. I think they're supposed to be the same woman. Okay, but maybe she's like astral projecting or yes. something. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's one reading out into the world or whatever that like <laughs> ultimately everything that he experiences at that castle with like the doppelganger Alicia Vikander and the old woman who is blind is essentially something that his it was like a glamour creating yes yeah okay mm-hmm. I, um, I, I think that's interesting I also yeah. just wanted to say like you know his his casting you were right Roxana about like you know took over David Copperfield like awesome mm-hmm. but like there's there is a level to be where it's it's kind of become the de facto like oh uh we didn't forget to cast anyone of color we just hired who was right for the role yes and you know you you can roll your eyes and like maybe they believe that and maybe it's true maybe they just didn't look that hard but like if you if if David Lowry were to be like I legitimately was not trying to like upend anything. I just like I I interviewed a bunch of people. We did a bunch of screen tests, and Dev Patel was just the best person for this role. Like I 100 percent believe it because he's fucking yeah. phenomenal in this. Yeah. And do you sure. know the story of how he got cast? I do not. Do you? It was in yeah. Kyle Buchanan profiled Dev Patel for the New York Times, and um, Lowry talked about how like they saw a lot of people, but like somebody he had in mind from the very beginning was Patel because he had seen like some photo shoot that he had done, mm-hmm. and he thought the Patel looked like just incredibly regal and commanding in oh, this yeah. photo shoot. So like Lowry in particular looked out for Patel and tried to like convince him to come in. So I liked that it was one of those things where it seems like he had a specific idea for this character that did not ascribe by like, well, what do people think that he should have looked like, you know? So I liked that. uh, I liked that backstory. And I, and I love just, again, like he's, he's, he's flawless in the role. I think he's like really well suited for it. He does have that perfect blend of like, boyish manliness and like regal insecurity and i i appreciate the other layers of again you know like i said i've i've read this movie like six different ways and i love that this gives me another one like there's a whole other thing here and like one of the the things that i like most about the movie is that like you can look at it like a perspective puzzle you know walk four feet another way and look at it again and you see a different thing um it's just it's 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 really good. I like it a lot. <laughs> Did people see the king with Tim? Yes, with Tim Chalamet. Yeah, and they definitely Timothy. They're parallel in many ways, although yes, I think this is superior. Yes, I agree. Yes, I, I was just curious. That. I did not because, see that. I heard oh, okay. nothing but bad things, and so I avoided it because life is too short. Should I watch it? Joel Edgerton's really good in it. I fucking I love actually, Joel. He's good in, in everything. Joel, I I like it but okay. i i think it's i think it's visually incredibly beautiful and i think timmy is good but i also think it's like very very subdued comparatively like, like yeah. i think I it's more timmy. yeah I, I just call him timmy all the time <laughs> i think it's just more about like that movie felt to me more about like the weight of knowing you have a path mm-hmm. rather the green knight felt like the experience of actually trying to find that path. So I think the King is just doing something like slightly less interesting. I didn't Um, realize that David Michaud was the uh, director of the King. Yeah. And Adam Arkapaw shot it. 
So it is incredibly beautiful. Yeah, now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, and it's on Netflix. I mean, oh, okay. whatever. It was just a little boring. It was it. The reason I didn't love it um, was because it's halfway between a historical movie and a Shakespearean adaptation, and it yeah. doesn't do either well. It's like I get it. Either you're one or the other because. I, it's not really a historical adaptation and it's not Shakespeare in the language of Shakespeare. It's just taking the story. So it just, it kind of feels a little like now, Robin, the real question is what age does it take place in? <laughs> it should be the 15th century. So still the middle ages. Yeah. As <clears> someone <throat> who like, is very bad at history. I was just like, Oh yeah, it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my very uncultured take kind of but, how i go yeah yeah okay so brian had like a bunch of different readings on the green night <laughs> did other people also have various readings or did we all sort of think i don't I, know i didn't take I mean, a lot my... away in terms of like the themes just because i was really Tired. first of all i missed something very important when i fell asleep which was mm. like the whole what is uh, your husband doing there yeah <laughs> he didn't give you a little poke in the ribs no, no he just didn't no, realize no. I was. I, 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 I don't. I don't need him to poke her in the ribs. I need him to fill her <laughs> like, in. Tell her what happened. He yeah. did, but yeah. he was mad. He uh, did, but he was mad. <laughs> As he should be. I'm gonna need him to poke her in the ribs. That's, that's what I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna share that with him. That's that like, is incredible. I like that's like if that's like if you you fell asleep during the part of It's a Wonderful Life where he tries to kill himself. I haven't seen the movie, so spoilers. Wow. Spoiler alert, right? <laughs> oh my god, that's not a spoiler. That's the whole plot of the movie. That's the thing. Is like you uh, close your eyes and he's like, "Oh, my life yeah, is terrible." It's and like the you... whole impetus of the movie I missed because it's like, why is he like, why is everybody upset? Like, what's going? Right. Why well, everyone say he's got to go talk to this knight again? I thought he killed that motherfucker. I mean, I figured it out. It wasn't that hard. Like, they're not. It's not like they're not repeating this theme, but the theme <laughs> yes. didn't really mean anything to me until the final 10 minutes because I thought that was the thing that made it culminate and brought everything together, um, which we can definitely talk about. was that, uh, I don't know if it was like a fantasy sequence or a dream or a, or a vision that he has, but that really brought it together for me thematically. I was really mostly interested in just the little adventures that he was having, like the whole thing with St. Winifred and jumping into that freaky lake or this talking fox that didn't say didn't say anything about like chaos reigning and those <laughs> giants and i don't know i was just really into it visually and the upsetness that he feels like i, I loved the scene where uh, he is take he's like set upon by these uh bandits i don't even know if that's what you would call them and he's tied <laughs> up and he has this image he there's this image of i think he's imagining himself rotting and There's the very slow 360. Yes, I just loved I that love scene that. so much. Yeah. So it's like whether he feels this existential weight of his journey or some bullshit, like I didn't really care because I was really interested in this Bergmanian style of storytelling and bringing us into this, this the mood and the tone because I really love su- stuff set in this time period. Um, regardless of the story, I just really enjoy seeing different directors take on the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, whatever you want to call it. It's it. I've seen so many great films that have the this sparseness to them um, that are that's set in that era, and it just really worked for me 
for the aesthetic alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 what I, I was talking to my friend Arthur at the distillery. Um, and I was like, hey, man, King, like a- King Arthur, Uncle Arthur, <laughs> Uncle Arthur, <laughs> Uncle King Arthur. Yeah. Um, I didn't even think about that. Um, but yeah, I was talking to him about it. And I was like, man, it's so good. Oh, man, it's so rich. And like all but also like it just looks freaking awesome. And it has a lot of cool shit in it. So like if that mm-hmm. if that's what you're into. Exactly. The music. The music's great. He was yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I could be in it. I'm like, yeah, like uh, that 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 slow 360. I mean, it reminded me a lot of um Ghost Story when you've got that family that gets killed and then the next time you look at them, they're bones. Like yeah. Lowry is obsessed with people turning into bones, which goes yes. back to what Roxana was saying earlier. Um, you know, the the inexorable march forward of time. It's it's right. great. And it and also I also I also think that like you see like Arthur noticeably gets like way fucking older during the movie, right? Oh, yeah. Was like that, that yeah. one year? Yeah. <laughs> that one yeah. quick year. And Arthur's yes. like, Well, it's time for me to die. I'm forty six yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like and so I, I there were so many things in that way too, where I loved like who seemed to stay the same. Like Vikander didn't seem to age, his mother doesn't seem to age. But Arthur just becomes like an old crone of a man. And then when he is like hitting the road, there's the sense again of like the fluidity of time. Like it's supposed to be a six night journey. And I felt like it was so much longer than that. I felt like it was what's a even, year. What's even yeah. better is that he's like, I've still got like four more nights to go. And the guy's like, no, it's not. It's right over there. Yeah, it's, it's like, so like close. right there. It's, you're here. <laughs> you don't it's understand. Fine. It's literally two miles from your house. You're just terrible. Yeah, like, yeah. you, you just... just took all of the wrong turns. Right, and then every you pissed off turn. every single person That's on wrong. the way, and so yes. you had to stop a lot. Yeah, it's like, so, oh, shit. Brian, since you've read it, was all oh, of the little... don't ask me to remember things yep, from Brian. 20 years Ventures. ago. <laughs> so I know that the thing at the end where he where he's part of this like weird love triangle mm. like that's in the novel i mean in the poem but what about all the stuff with like saint winifred and getting lost among the giants and eating the weird mushroom is any of that part of i don't remember winifred and i think i looked it up and winifred is not part of it yeah i think winifred is new yeah okay i really yeah. like that sequence and it reminded me i don't know what it reminded me of i maybe have just seen a lot of things that had something like that but it was there's a a scene in the seventh harry potter book that that i was reminded of so i don't know maybe it's just a is it moaning maybe this is a trope no that's the second book first of all Um, she doesn't hang around she does she's she's around but we barely see her ever again oh that's sad yeah it's fine she's not the best um but yeah i don't know if it was just that there's something inherent like this is a trope or this is a some kind of literary device that's in a lot of folk tales of just going to somebody's house and it being empty and i don't know if it was something in chaucer like i don't know if anybody is aware of this as a trope but i really that felt very familiar to me so i'm surprised it wasn't actually in the in the story well the one thing and i might be wrong about this but isn't it the same actress who then plays his wife in the future version of him i don't think so yeah that is winifred right i i'm almost positive what yeah they got the same 
freckles hair. and no. hair and everything. I don't think so. No, absolutely not. No. That okay. Is, well, first of all, another her. reason to love this movie. <laughs> I I thought she was. Maybe I'm wrong. Regardless, I'm I'm, I'm looking. It I up think on they had IMDb. similar hair, but one of those women, like the woman he marries, is a white woman, and okay. I don't think Winifred is. I think Winifred's played by an actress of color. Yes, yes. I think she, she's right. she's Aaron from Kellyman. Uh, yeah, she's in uh, the Cap and Winter Soldier uh, show, and she's also in uh, the Star Wars film. Right, uh, and Megan Solo. Tiernan is the other one. So it's just the red hair that fooled me. That would have been interesting. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I could have sworn yeah. that was. Are we sure that's Megan Tiernan? It says the Young Queen, but is that when I Google her? She queen. is a very red-haired, youngish actress. So. I could yep. see. I think it is her. Okay, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah. Regardless, I yeah, I I thought the the Winifred stuff was different, and my understanding of the uh, I don't know if calling it like a love triangle is accurate necessarily, but I do know that that storyline is also somewhat tweaked. Um. Mm-hmm. To make because it, I think more... we really stick with that Lord going hunting. Yeah, we and we make it a little bit more explicit in terms of what they do. Um, but I, they're also if we're getting into like super spoiler territory, the end of the story is that Brian, this is correct, right? That the Green Knight was that Lord the whole time. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like it's your classic, like, you know, oh, the magic and everything was something else. and Right, whereas at least I thought that the movie did not do that. I thought that it maintained the Green Knight as as, as perhaps a magical entity, but not the same as Joel Edgerton's character. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that was and and I mean this is this is the beauty of someone adapting something where right. it doesn't have I mean, A, like you Googled the Green Knight and you're gonna find fifty different stories and versions of this mm-hmm. thing, right? There's there's not like one that everybody's like, Oh yeah, that's that's the one. Like right. people may read the one, right, uh out out loud in class and as their voice breaks, but that doesn't mean that that's the only one that's kind of in popular culture or in myth and all of that stuff but i mean that's that's the beauty of this is that david lowry gets to put his own spin on things and everything like that which you know i mean if you're gonna do something like this i feel like you can do something that's either very well known as something that you know, uh, a Noah, for instance, where people get real mad about the things that not necessarily that he changed, but that he maybe uh, highlighted a little bit more than people really wanted. Oh, it's the and classic then, biblical problem of like, oh, no, I don't want to have to think that I'm the bad guy. I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, yeah, but like, remember when uh, God destroyed the world because you were acting the way that you're acting now? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And so, people uh, were, you know, were really upset about Noah. I forgot how well, upset people uh, were about Noah, and I uh, loved uh, Noah. People, people were in particularly upset about the uh, the rock monsters as no, well. No, people which were was, upset about. They called it like an environmentalist, and I was like, okay, guys, sure. but we're like 
we're we're Christians. You you know that they constantly talk about stewardship of God's creation, right? Like we're not supposed to fuck up yeah. the world. And they're like, oh no, I don't like that. It's like Al Gore's Noah, and it's like, oh for fuck's sake, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but yes, well, the rock monsters, the Watchers, which come from like the Book of Enoch, which is like one of those like extra books that like we've kind of tried to forget. Yeah, uh-huh. but I do love them; yeah. they're awesome. I mean, like all of that shit in Noah, I'm I'm totally on board with. But yes, people were yeah. very mad about that movie. Well, wait yeah. a minute, I've never seen the movie, and you know how there's that famous thing of like he looked upon his nakedness. Like, is that in the movie? In Noah. Yeah, that's Adam, isn't it? That's when they eat the yeah. fruit no, at the tree of knowledge, and they're like, "Oh no, man, there's we're like, naked." Uh, shit. No, there's like a whole thing in Noah. It not the, the story of Noah where his sons look at him naked, and and there's this interpretation of whether there's like a a pedophilic thing going on, or if it's like, "Whoops, we accidentally saw our dad naked," and like, "Whoopsie!" Like, I don't know. I'm just curious if okay. this was in the movie because. It um, looks like this is from Genesis. I, yeah, I have looked this up, and apparently there are a lot of websites that are asking this this question of what does that mean. Hmm. Um, I, I think was, it might because, just be because he's <laughs> fucking wasted. <laughs> yeah, there's something something about that, but the reason I was asking is because you know that would have been probably very controversial if it had been in the movie, but that doesn't that doesn't seem to be where the controversy they, was coming. No, from. The, the, they they were just like you know it's it's again it's the problem with like anytime you bring up like hey Jesus said give all your money to people who need it and everyone's like yeah but like I want to go to space. <laughs> <laughs> I want to barely go to space. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do not do not pass go. Do not collect your astronaut tag. Like Sorry, I, sir. Much. One of my one of my favorite things to do in church uh, when I'm sitting there is to listen to what the priest is saying and imagine how angry a lot of people are getting at him for saying it. So like, <laughs> like one time, okay. well, it was just like one time he was like talking about like abortion, and I was like, everyone you could feel like, oh yeah, abortion's bad, and then he's like, but let's not forget that like once a person's born, we're still supposed to protect their life then. Which means, like, mm-hmm. we should be, we should be advocating for like policy changes. You know, like, you know, we cannot be a, a church that is pro-birth. We must be actually pro-life. We should object to the capital punishment. We should try for like, you know, any kind of like subsidized universal health care. We should advocate for parental leave. You know, so that mothers, you know, have ripped away from their babies to go back to work. To, and it was like. You were like, oh, man, I've never felt a crowd turn on someone so quickly. So quick. And yeah, I'm just there in the background right. being like, preach, literally preach. <laughs> it's in the fucking book that you have in your hand. Yeah, there was another, like, literally last week, he or like two weeks ago, I think, like, he was like, yeah, like, so, you know, I can't even remember. It was like, you know, as a church that is still living, we must never look back. And it was like, basically, he started talking about how we have to, like, avoid the temptation to think about creating a theocratic state, um, which is a thing that people have screamed about. You know, there's like, probably a lot of people in the woods with guns who think we should in- instill some kind of Christian theocracy in this country. Oh, they're it not was, in the woods. They're yeah, your neighbors. It was, it, was nice to, uh, it was nice to hear a priest standing up there being like, look, we tried that. It was terrible. Like, we cannot do a Holy Roman you know, Christian empire again. Like that's not what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. It's poison fruit. Don't do it. So yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love, uh, I love, I think, I think I could create like an entire Twitter. That's just like things. My Catholic priest is saying that are going to make quote unquote Christians furious. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great. 
But yes, anyway, and thus we end up talking about different this? religious sects. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have no idea how we got here. I really, I yeah, know. I don't. I yeah, don't know. I, don't know. I remember um, Bill. Bill, oh, we Bill was talking, talking about, about yeah. adaptations and stuff, and I would say I I know maybe one person on Earth who might get upset at changes made to Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. Sure. Or Garland. But I'm, I'm, again, like that's that is the beauty of it is that this thing gets to live on in its own way. And I, I like that as like, I mean, we we've we've talked at length about like, you know, <sighs> historical adaptations and stuff like that and like people get so upset and so like convoluted in like the things that they left out or the the timelines that they kind of smashed together and robin i i'm not trying to uh allude to what you uh said earlier about you know the the centuries and kind of how how that kind of uh plays out on uh in a lot of cinema and stuff like that um but you know i do find it interesting that that, you know, in this case, someone can take this and this is their version of the Green Knight now, you know, and I think that's beautiful. So, oh, yeah, I just wanted to be clear that that there's nothing in this film that suggests it's like in a different century or that than <laughs> it's supposed to be. I think it's just that there's such little knowledge about that time period. Why? Like there's just it's not a common uh, thing that we it's not a common talking point uh, when we think about history so i was just kind of referring to like it's being misinterpreted by viewers i wouldn't say that there's anything that lowry is doing to suggest <laughs> that this is said right, well there's the people who seem to think that like this movie takes place like 50 years before you know we first settled a colony at roanoke exactly oh, okay, cool. <laughs> good yeah good good job people yeah, because they're like, oh, it's like, you know, it's a story from the 15th century or like the, you know, the 1500s. And it's like, no, guy, come on, guys. No. Yeah, this is taking is. place way before there's any kind of Even though apparently the monarchy. concept of Middle Ages covers a thousand years. I know. Right? I think that's pretty whack. But that's like, a problem. There's no there's no sort <laughs> of whack. like post. This movie, pretty dope. That that thing that you just said, Brian, pretty, pretty whack. whack. <laughs> this movie I agree. is friggin' solid. Um, well, <laughs> we had this, a whole... this film like addresses or is taking place during a time when there is a power vacuum in Europe because of the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah. But mm. this is also taking place before the church takes over for that power vacuum. So it's like still a very important thing in the British Isles, but not really this uh, this network that it would so, become later. Yeah. So, so the guy, the guy that um, King Arthur looks to a lot. Uh, or, I mean, he looks to him twice in this film, but uh, the guy that he looks to, who has the tattoos under his eye, oh, that's, that's Merlin. Is, that's that's mm-hmm. Merlin. Okay. I have, I yeah. have to assume and so, that's Merlin. And so, like, I found all of that stuff, you know, that's that's very paganistic and all of that stuff. And so there's there's some interesting things. Yeah, definitely. Religion is not necessarily a a high um, uh, something that is seems to be reveled in in this film. It's 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 more mythology than anything, I think. Well, has anybody read uh, The Mist of Avalon or familiar with that story at all? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. So this is very much taking place. I mean, the one of the key themes of that story is the 
tension between the paganistic old ways or the druids or whatever you want to call them and the the Christian settlers from who presumably came from Rome. So I think this film kind of alludes to that tension without, um, without making it explicit that there was like a war going on between the fairy folk and the colonizers. Like, it's not really about that. Um, but I think the character of his mother, or like if we want to call her mm-hmm. Morgan Le Fay or what, what have you, um, I think she, she brings that forward. And I, I just enjoyed the the visuals of that or the mood set by that. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the ceremony that she does, which sort of raises the question of how much does she set in motion what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Because sure, the spell sure. that she sets that's sealed with the green wax, mm-hmm. the pieces that drop and cause the leaf to bloom, that's what brings the green knight. So it's this question of like, what is she summoning? And then sort of with the sash, so we haven't talked at all about the sash. So mm-hmm. like when she sends him off with this like magical sash that is supposed to protect him from harm, how much does that become something he leans on rather than growing into the person that he should be? And mm-hmm. I I read the story like back in the day, like in high school, but I haven't remembered most of it. But the one thing that I liked is that like, I brought up the king because like Henry was sort of like a layabout fuck up. And I like that they also made Garwin a layabout fuck up, which I do not necessarily remember from the original text. I don't. But, yeah. I think he was just like, Oh, I'm a knight. It's yeah. 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 So I like him sort of being <laughs> almost sort of like this tryhard who wants to impress his uncle and wants to like step into himself and mm-hmm. his mother also wants him to do that, but naturally does not want him to die. So I like that there's this tension of like, what is a game, right? And sort of in that space that Robin was talking about, like in this power vacuum where anything could happen, like how much is he actually trying to put himself out there and become a better person and become this mythological figure to take his place at you know at the table and how much of it also is pre-written for him so that's sort mm, of why i like the idea and, yeah this yeah. like predestination and like what his mother set into motion so that's why i liked what they did with the lord and lady and mm. like the hunting scenes and everything because you do have the old woman that nobody talks about or even acknowledges right just keep I, expecting someone to be like and here so and so right yeah so like i love the lord here's the lady don't pay attention to this one don't pay attention to this old woman right so i love that and then i also just love sort of this question of like who is protecting garwin from himself and Mm -hmm. having the talking fox sort of take that role I thought was also really interesting and another sense of like how much of this is magic and how much of this is perhaps him hallucinating. I mean, or he did eat a bad things. mushroom. Right. I did right. think the giants were hallucinated because that happens right after the mushroom. But I was curious if anyone else thought that the fox was the projection of his mother. Because when he's when the animal speaks toward the end of the film, I thought it, it might have been kind of seemed voice. like it had the voice of his. Okay, mom. 
it wasn't mm. just me then it was um it just sounded like a woman sort of like gasping mm-hmm. and mm. i couldn't think of anybody else who that could be but his mom i thing- i did not think of that that's interesting i i really wish that i'd been able to watch this movie like six more times um <laughs> there, you'll, God, you'll be able glutton. to soon i know i know if they if they uh if they do what we expect them to do and release this on some sort of platform um that was the other yeah. thing I've, I've realized so when i told arthur uh not king arthur but uh president <laughs> and ceo of schmidt spirits arthur um i told him about this he's like also oh, known ser- as king arthur what service is that on <laughs> and i was like no it's it's in theaters and he's like oh it's not also somewhere else and I was like, you know <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like spoiled a we've year and a half spoiled. ago that's not a question someone would ask no no right. absolutely how, how else can i watch this besides right. going to a theater and now it's like how else can i watch this besides going to a theater and it's like oh yeah you, you know g- give it two weeks and it'll be there uh one thing i wanted to bring up um i i keep reading this quote uh from allison wilmore uh, vulture piece which is also conveniently on the uh, green knight wiki but um she she mentions in her review that uh the film is quote is someone about or is about someone who keeps waiting for external forces to turn him into the gallant heroic figure he believes he should be and then adds at the film's heart is a lesson that's as timeless as any legend travel as far as you like but you'll never be able to leave yourself behind and i think that's just like a beautiful summation of this film of him waiting and waiting to turn into this person and yeah like roxana he's he's a layabout he's he's just fucking around and like at at certain points like he's bootless and his mom's like why are you bootless like what the fuck is going on you should be at the christmas feast you know and you know of course he transforms himself but uh yeah this guy just can't seem to get away from his own self um despite how far he travels or maybe doesn't travel you know I what did it, happen to watch Thor this week, and so it's been an interesting okay. um, theme that I've been encountering, which is this idea of curse like, the bl- the blonde eyebrows, curse <laughs> the blonde eyebrows. It was uh, it took me a long time to finish it. I probably could only watch it in like ten minute increments for a full week. But <laughs> you mean in the in the sidebar on on the window while you're yeah, doing exactly. The taxes? Uh, okay. So the, so the. The reason I bring it up is because it seems to be this very potent theme that we see over and over again, which is the the idea of the not ready leader and what it takes to get them ready to mm-hmm. take care of their people. Um, and obviously, these films oftentimes are a woman in peril. Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, it, this I mean, Thor basically is the same story as Lion King. Um, but I don't see, <laughs> I don't see uh, the Green Knight as a Lion King sort Hakuna of structure. Um, but it, but it is really interesting, and at the same time, it's like not that interesting to me. Like I don't really care what makes a leader, and we seem to be obsessed about that question. That, well, that, we we have so many leaders in our own lives that it becomes a thing of like, oh boy, like what are we even oh, looking for? A, Maybe it's because I work for a university, but the question of like, what is leadership is constantly being mashed in my face. And I mean, you, even if you look at like any admissions essay, it's always just like, talk about like your leadership skills or 
you know, what does leadership mean to you? And like they schools. That's there's the something funny about thing this, about like, yeah. like going to college like that is like everyone there has tried to prove that they are a leader. And if everyone's a leader, it's just going to be a fucking nightmare. I, I know. And that's so you do need yeah. a bunch of people who are like, I am totally cool at parsing instructions and <laughs> ethically and responsibly following them. <laughs> it It is a really I mean, we seem to be selling this in the whatever you call the educational industrial complex is, is obsessed with the idea of selling that anybody can be a leader as long as you ask the right questions and are trained properly. I mean, it's the whole point of business school um, is being a leader, but like training the leaders of tomorrow. Not a bit like I agree with what, exactly what you're saying. Not everybody can do it. So why are we so obsessed with the you know, reaching this higher echelon of well, that's like in my job. Someone said, like in five years, like where do you see yourself in this job? And I was like, I mean, like hopefully making you know five times five percent raises every year and uh, mm-hmm. in the same position. And like, really, you have no desire to move upwards. I'm like, my skill set no. is perfectly honed for the work that I am doing now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a PM. Are you fucking yeah, kidding me? I, I, I have to I had, spend six hours of every day in meetings with the feds. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> that does, that sounds yeah. terrible to me. I'm good with another five to ten years of normal, you know, drudgery. And then I'll think about doing that. But I'm happy now. Yeah. And I, they were I like think... shocked. It was it was it was funny because I feel like no one had ever said to them, like, I am super cool where I'm at now. I'm really good at it. I like told them, like, I'll train, but like, I don't want that to be my job. So if you want to make yeah. me like a sub manager. And there's some companies that will push you out if you don't move up. I mean, like a lot of these consulting companies, <laughs> mm-hmm. like if you don't become a partner, you're if out. If you don't grow, you die. Yeah. 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 I, I had that pressure at Zillow uh, a little bit where they were like, all right, what, like your manager should be talking to you about like your future and your career. And I was like, I, I told my manager, I was like, I'm really happy being here. And he was like, good. I'm glad that, you know, there are people that like doing the job that they currently have. Like, I don't <laughs> want everybody just being like, I want to get the fuck out of this job, you know? Right. Like and if so, every yeah. if every person who's a claims rep at Geico wanted to be like a VP of like regional sales, you'd be fucked. <laughs> There's yeah. the, um, and Sounds it is like interesting because I think me. that, what was that? Sounds like capitalism to me. Right. But mm-hmm. that's the thing is like, you know, you really do need people who are cool with like not vying for the throne you know right but like you need the followers you need the sheep i am my 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 ex-wife had this thing where she very much like tied her soul into however she was doing at work like that was how she measured her worth and there was a point where she asked me like how do you do it that you like i like she she was like losing weight and hair and like was earnestly physically sick because she was worried her boss didn't like her. And I was like, look, it is super admirable that you, you want to do that well, good of a job, but a job should not make you physically ill. You need to stop. And she's like, how do you not care? I was like, cause I don't give a shit. And it sounds really harsh and mercenary, but like, I'm happy being a father and mowing my lawn and like, you know, writing a novel that no one's ever going to read and reading novels written by people braver than I am. Like, you know, I've got my little podcasts, you know, my tin pot empire, like it's I'm cool, like where I'm at. And I the job is the thing that lets me do the other things in my life. And I Mm -hmm. take no personal self-worth connection 
from my my career, which I don't even call. But a would you I call say that job. if you had somebody, if you had a bully of a boss or somebody that was abusing you? And I'm not saying that has never happened, but did you always feel that way? Because I have been in situations where I felt targeted by my superiors, and it definitely messed with my mental health. Well, that, I think For that's sure. what happened with me is that I had one of those like right out of college and I was uh, suddenly like, oh, this is bullshit. And this person only gets me 40 hours out of a week and I shouldn't let them like do that to me. And so like it broke me. And so from that point on, I like I, I you know, didn't hold on to jobs tightly in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't. I, yeah, it just. Be- and so finally, it's funny because like, you know, we're divorced now, but she still comes over and sees Cora. So we still have a lot of interaction with each other and she said like a couple weeks ago like i finally gotten to that point and i'm so much happier now and i should have listened to you like mm. a long time ago about like not allowing the job to be the thing but like like compartmentalizing yeah she was like i never thought that i'd be able to compartmentalize that much because i wanted to do something that i was passionate about but like that's <laughs> the problem is that like if you want to do something you're passionate about then people can exploit you by saying yeah. you're doing something it's it, anytime you work for anyone who has a startup culture and they say you're changing the world and it's basically a cult, which is something that I've also been a part of and was very scary. Um, mm, that's what mm. happens. But so like, I, I remember, yeah, I remember you talking about this. Yeah. But so like what to, to draw it back to the movie that we were ostensibly talking about. Yeah. 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 Hamilton. I think that, I think that that's actually kind of what we see at the end of this movie when we get that beautiful wordless, montage of his life after he escapes and he he gets home and this is after he's asked the question like is this really all that there (laughs) is and the green knight says like what more ought there to be right and then he escapes and he sees all this stuff and like you know the the kingdom is in ruin he's abandoned by everyone he's just waiting to get slaughtered by the invaders and i think that that is basically his child dies yeah, that's him mm-hmm. realizing like, oh, like I'm I have not proven myself able to handle these things. I will not be the next Arthur because like we've seen Arthur. Arthur seems like a pretty chill guy, like seems honestly very nice, just really cool. Yeah. And meanwhile, Garwin is is not and and he kind of comes to see that. Like he sees like, oh right, this like the honor isn't the only thing but it is the thing that allows me to do the other things that could be worthwhile you know Mm -hmm. having that that character that you know ethos and i don't have that and so like yeah at this point keeping this one oath is like the one thing i've got and then uh the green knight says off with your head yeah keeping Mm -hmm. the one oath and rejecting the magical protection that he was given. Yeah. So I think it's like, I think both things are important there. It's like his fear is understandable. Like the green knight low key mocks him for it, but like who wouldn't be afraid at the thought of this kind of death. But I think the important element of that is the admitting that he's human and accepting that he's human part of it, which I think allows the movie to end with sort of a joke <laughs> you know yeah. like with like yeah. a sort of like self-aware sarcastic touch which i honestly far prefer to how the story ends in the text um mm-hmm. so i really liked that and i think maybe that speaks to the sense of like tonally why i thought it sort of aligned a little bit more with like 
old man and the gun, which I think is very depressing, but like we all said, also has these like beautiful moments of like Redford's characters, like joy at being alive. And so I loved that sort of like little twinkle (laughs) that the green knight has where it's like, yo, this was all a game, like your mortality and your morality were important. But ultimately, mm-hmm. this was all a game. It reminds me of, uh, speaking of other old ass things that I had to read in, in primary school at some point. Did anyone ever read like this? It was called Everyman. No. Okay. I don't, nope. What school system were you? You know, this is like, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I, you know, first of all, the school system I was in was Maryland public school. I don't know. So was I. I don't remember this shit. So uh, yeah. I have looked yeah, it up. It's a and crazy ass teachers. The Summoning of Everyman uh, is a late 15th century morality play. Anyway, so what okay. it is, is it's this guy. His name is Everyman. And he's he's got to go meet death basically. It's like, it's basically like, oh, hey man, one of those. time to die. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and they're like, you know, go see him. And he's like, I'm going to go talk to like family and friends and wealth and all this stuff and see if they want to come with me. And each of them has a really lame excuse not to go with him. Um, I literally think one of them says like, I can't, I got a cramp in my toe. And the only one that comes with him to death is, is I think good deeds. Is, is what it is called like so it's it's literally basically like just a long ass way of saying like one of these days you're gonna die and the only thing that's gonna carry with you into the afterlife is the good stuff you've done everything else gets left behind like beauty strength everything you know all you get to take with you is your good deeds mm. and like that's another thing that's stuck with me for a while it's just that concept of like yeah man like you know you you can't take it with you to quote that you know it's just uh all you've got is these things. And so like, there is that question. Like I had a friend once asked me like, what's the point of all this, like morality and bullshit that you seem to care so much about. And I'm like, there, there, it, it, it means something to me. And therefore to the people who it also means something to, it will be left behind and mean something to them when I'm gone. You know, well, like, I mean, everything I think, else is a I little think, transient, you know? I, I think, I think this gets back to like people's reliance on religion in a lot of ways. Um, and like the idea that religion is how you teach people to be good. And I just find that so stupid in so many different ways. It's just like, can we not just be good to be good to each other? Like, I don't, I don't understand why we have to do speak. (laughs) Well, it's, it's not necessarily atheism. It's just, why does it happen to, why is there so much, focus on religion that like good deeds will get you to heaven or you know whatever afterlife you believe in or you know whatever situation you believe in and it's like okay so we can't just be good to each other to be good to each other and i feel like you know this is something that like the good place kind of touches on and stuff like that where they kind of speak around religion and stuff like that and um yeah i I just i just find it nonsensical that like in order for kids to learn about being good people, their parents have to take them to church. And I'm just like, well, or what? show them Bluey. 
sure whatever it is right uh i i just find it hilarious in so many ways that that we've we've gotten to a point in our lives in a lot of ways where we can't just teach them and instead we have other other pinnacles or other kind of aspects of life that are kind of ingrained in our culture that are like okay well go to this place and it's a holy place and they'll teach you about good things and well, it's that's like a, okay I don't know anyone who says that like that's uh, not a thing i mean <laughs> go to this holy place and they'll teach. like you you as a person who's raising a child like you have to be not literally the sociopathy out of a child like uh, a child growing say that, up. Say that again. What what does sociosophy mean? Like a, a pure narcissism, like a, a lack of caring for the the needs and desires sure, of any person sure. around you. Like when a kid is growing up and, and stuff like that. Right, yeah. When a kid is growing up, they they don't they don't. There's no reasoning with a six month old who's hungry, right? Like, and so just the act of keeping them alive teaches them selfishness because they know that if they scream, you will feed them. And then there comes a point where you need to start saying like, all right, we don't scream anymore. You've mastered the basics of language. It's time to start Mm -hmm. using your words. And then you start teaching like, please. And it becomes a rote thing because like, that's just how it starts at first. But like, now that my daughter is as old as she is, I've had to start like sitting her down and trying to explain these greater concepts to her. And I'm not like, we're going to go to church so you can understand why you shouldn't murder someone. But like... (laughs) It's so like, I don't, I don't know anyone who's like, well, I, my daughter is now old enough that I have to teach her not to steal time to go take her to the parsonage. Like you do that in your home. Some people don't though. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to take your word on it. You must know some of them, but like you, you, (laughs) you start having to train up the, the soul and the integrity in your child a lot. Like there's a point where you have to like explain to your kid, like it's not that you spilled the milk it's that you covered it with like sofa cushions in an attempt to keep it from me and thus made it worse like it's the lie it's not the crime it's the cover-up cora god have you ever read about white gate or watergate um so it's a lot of it's a lot of that stuff and and you know she comes to church with me she's not paying attention at all she's five fucking years old she can barely pay attention to one episode of bluey like she's got a lot on her mind you know, and so I think that in terms of this, like stories like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and even like, you know, parables that we hear in church, like are helpful ways to distill down the lessons that you already should have gained in your life and make them maybe not palatable, but make them digestible. But like mm-hmm. they can't be the only thing you have to have have started doing something else. So like. If, if Cora had never felt the pain of losing something, I could not explain to her why she can't just take a toy out of a friend's hand. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's those kinds of things. And like we've been telling stories as a civilization for forever. So even just, you know, using religious texts as another manner of story to get across a point without building up an entire dogma around it. Like that's something that we all do. Like Aesop's fables basically serve as like baby's first gospels, <laughs> you know, they're, they're easy ways to distill down what could be complicated things by just attaching to like the most rote empathetic pathways in our brain. And that's why these things exist for so long and we can read into them further, but like when it comes down to it, they're, they're 
the reason they stick with us, like the thing my dad said to me, like that, like the summoning of every man <laughs> is because they're super simple. They're very, you know, basic and they become, if not true North, at least a reckoning of the basics of North so that you know what direction to travel in. Did any of that make sense? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, great. Um, I do want to bring up something. Is uh, it the cum? Par- we haven't talked about the cum. No. We'll, 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 we'll sidebar that real quick. Um, there's apparently a post credit scene. Did anybody oh, else no. see this? No. I think I did. Isn't it like a kid playing with something? Yes. It, yeah. It's, she finds the king's crown and puts yeah. it on her head. Apparently. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's, that's a thing that yeah, I, I, I sat through just cause like I was listening to the music and when I saw that happening and I was like, all right, I guess this matters. <laughs> well, I think that that you say that it does. Like, I think that it does matter. I think that it actually kind of rolls into what, what we were saying about like, you know, what lasts, what endures. And it's like, right. Oh, like, here's this kid playing with the king's crown like obviously the the kingdom has fallen and yet somehow Mm -hmm. throughout centuries you know either five or 15 um it (laughs) has still gotten to us and we still know that this one man you know owed a debt to this green giant ho 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 and then uh walked into the (laughs) woods and repaid it and that Mm -hmm. that does matter and disappeared in some way Yeah. yeah so that's interesting but anyway, um, yeah, I got to see uh, I got to see some cum on a big movie theater screen. <laughs> I mean, it's an A twenty four movie. There's always going to be blood or cum, so at least we got both. We got both. Um, yeah. What what was it? Uh, Antichrist. We got to see someone cum blood. Mm. I don't think we yeah, actually saw you. any cum though. I don't think that's in an A two four movie though. No, it's I think not. That was before their time, but yes, uh, yeah. They <laughs> Robin mentioned, you know, chaos reigns. So there we go. More, more antichrist, uh, you know, uh, imagery. Yes, thank you. Lars von Trier. Nature is evil, <laughs> or something. I can't remember what the tagline for that was. Uh, I think it was just chaos reigns, uh, but yeah. That was that was fun. Um, no, I I think I think one thing that that was interesting to me was I I saw the uh, I, I I was reading up on this and they call it a what what do they call this thing that he's wearing around his uh, midsection? They call it a girdle. Yes, um, I've heard which it I find. A which I find interesting because it definitely seems like it's just a sash that's around his midsection. I, I didn't realize that, like, to me, a girdle seems like something that's supposed to either hold things. It's like a supportive uh, shape. In, I mean, but, you know, it's God only knows, you know, back then what they call those things. But sure. I thought um, that it was interesting that they that all these people apparently were just like uh, Woodcock from uh, Phantom Thread. sewing secrets into their garments. Mm-hmm. Little bottle. What you know? What else are they gonna do all day? <laughs> like what else? You know what else is Gwen's mom, Garwin's mom, gonna do with her time? So yeah, <laughs> she, I like she that. loosed upon the world the Green Knight. So you know, right, she's, and she's again, sitting back, she just didn't waiting. loose him upon the world. Like the guy went 
challenged her son. He got his head lopped off, and then he was like, "All right, I'm going to go to my chapel. I'm just going to go to sleep." And he he did. It's and true. He, it's not it's like true. he was out rampaging. No, <laughs> I, but I do sort of wonder if it was, you know, if it was something that his mom sent. I do wonder what she thought would have happened because, I, like, she doesn't try to stop him from going. She's just like, "Yo, don't do anything stupid and wear this sash." Right. Uh-huh. I, it it's to me it it seemed like she was like, "Oh God, my fucking kid." is wasted again he's sleeping right. with prostitutes i've got to right. do something like we, right. we what is it like we're in a peaceful reign arthur and all of his old ass knights have already had their glory <laughs> so i need to send like i need to light this candle right mm-hmm. and you know so the the giant comes in and is like hey you know someone fight me if you land a blow i'm going to repay it he does specifically say i will i will repay you in, back in kind it, in yeah. kind and you're yeah. just like okay so poke him like what right. are we doing here like just poke him and then and then he'll be like you defeated me i'll do this to you in a year and it's like but why I are think you that fucking lopping off his head but poking it. is cowardice right sure and and yeah. that's he he sees this moment as a a moment and you can see him like building up that courage, right? In right. in this sequence, but he sees that moment as I guess this is what knights do: is right, they, he's like, I'm gonna they do it. lop yeah. off, they lop off a defenseless enemy's head when they pre- when it's presented, and it's like this is not like seppuku or something like that, where it's like a a honorific thing that's happening. It's just like. Nah, you know, I'm I've challenged you. This is a quote unquote game that he keeps kind of repeating uh, or not just him, but uh, is repeated throughout this film. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so this is a game. Right. And it seems like Dev Patel's character is like, so this is a game. So so I win when I chop his head off. Right. Right. And then everything goes back to normal, well, and I can go He's thinking, my like, "Oh, if I chop, I've, I've found the workaround. If I chop off his head, he can't repay it because he'll be dead." Right. Exactly. Sure. But sure. like, okay, it, it is gotcha. a game, and so like the guy lives, and he's like, "All right, I will see you in one year, motherfucker." And he's just like, "Oh, I've made a mistake." Right. Like maybe yeah. there was a better way to. Maybe like I should have. In fact. I was thinking about it, and like when we get the uh, the montage where he gets knighted when he comes back, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, what if he had like knighted the Green Knight? Like, what if he had done like the honoring on the the shoulders thing? Like, that's technically a blow. You're hitting him with the sword. No, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, by that point, you know, he'd already cut his head off, so there's nothing to do. But it, it is, yeah. it's that kind of thing where the mom sends this guy, and is like, "All right, well, this is going to end in some way. <laughs> Something's going to happen," mm-hmm. and um. You know, and then it, it becomes like a test. It like if, if what she needs is for her son to gain some sort of heroic mythic proportion, either he'll get it by axing this guy's head off and then going out and meeting him and maybe winning again, or he'll go and uh he'll he'll, you know, win by doing what he said he would do, and he's just a man of honor. So like either way, her son is not drinking and whoring around and he's gonna go and make a name for himself. Right. Until he comes back and potentially starts drinking and whoring ground. Yes. Again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I, I found is, interesting. 
Well, I was gonna say like you know, but if we're I, this again, this is why the movie's so rich and why I like it so much. But like then, if she's responsible for the Lord and the Lady at the manor house, you know, the hunter and his his wife who looks like Essel. <laughs> I mean, like Essel comes in and is like, hey, I got this like I got this girdle for you. Like, you want to wear it? Like, tell me you want it. Like, and he's like, yes, I want it. Oh my god! And then he, and then she's like, you're no knight, and just like leaves it for him and walks away. And then he realizes that the blind woman's been in the room the whole time. I mean, like. Right. So like it it does become that thing where it's it's like this ambiguity or this like you know rich deep there's just so many textual reads of it like so what was her purpose like was was he supposed to succumb to that and know that he couldn't go through with it so he would run away or was he supposed to or is it is it just a, a choose your own adventure thing where there's no wrong way to do it but now you're going to be branching off down a different path like if he had been able to say no is that like, oh, well, good, he's ready. I mean, I think the, probably if we're assuming that it's all a glamour, mm. I would think the hope would be that he's like, yes, I will take my girdle slash sash, but not have sex with you because I'm chivalrous. Like, I think that was part of it in that sense that like, he knows that she is married to someone yeah. else and does it anyway. And I think there's also, I think that is after she does the really weird portrait of him it is yeah because like after yeah. she makes him come on the, the photography girdle, he 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 runs away yeah so there's right so there's like the weird upside down photography again of him like floating in space and time in this yep. portrait and again like not knowing who he really is or what he can expect from himself I so do love that idea of like a whole room as a kind of camera obscura right that's so yeah. freaking cool yeah One thing I I mean, really again, liked... the production design is crazy oh my god yes. this movie is I, I don't throw the word sumptuous around lightly yeah this movie is sumptuous. fucking it's sumptuous. lush yeah. one thing i liked about that portrait is if you think about what the artistic styles of that era were like i mean <laughs> marginalia and these very flat images of other people whether it's like icons or i don't know i mean everybody's seen like these middle ages pictures of people they don't even look like people or they look like children drew them my so, favorite my favorite like meme thing is like you know artist from the middle ages you've seen a horse right other artists exactly. oh yeah and then it shows the picture and it's like a weird alligator donkey with fire coming out of its mouth exactly and that was just the style at the time it, yeah. it wasn't that these people didn't know how to didn't not know how to draw but it what's funny to me is that the we like realism is such a an important part of like the artism artistry of our time that it it's even stranger if you think about the what was common in that era like the fact that she drew something that was a little bit impressionistic a little bit photorealistic it in some kind of mishmash of those two styles is like kind of mind blowing. So when he said like, Oh, what a, you know, what a queer piece. It's like, it's not just that it was sort of upside down or wishy or whatever. It was that the, the actual portrait style, like they just didn't see stuff like that. Right. That was he, not oh, part of their, <laughs> again, to put it as bluntly as possible, lives. he's not used to seeing himself as he actually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you don't really see a lot of mirrors right? in this movie either. 
No, I mean you would see yourself in water, I suppose, yeah, but, but it's still a very it's a distorted. Rippling. And we do see him and seeing himself in water, but it is. It's like a rippling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, this movie. And they is did have mirror, mirrors back then, but like only if you were super rich. Yeah. So maybe his uncle had one. Perhaps. Maybe Uncle Arthur. Or his Arthur. aunt Guinevere. <laughs> I do. I do like that his aunt like has this beautiful kind word for him or uh you know uh kind of input to him is he mentions because of course arthur is asking him to regale him with the tale of his life to this point mm-hmm. um you know he's he's regretful of the fact that he's he hasn't spent enough time with him and blah 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 and uh he mentions that he doesn't have any stories and she, she points out yet. And I, I just, that was such a small, small moment, but I'd love that so much that she's Arthur just like, and Guinevere are just the sweetest, kindest people <laughs> on earth. And it's bananas. Cause it would be so easy for Arthur to be like, Oh, my boy, like come here and tell us of the wenches you've lain with or the barbarians you've slain. And then for him to be like, mm-hmm. I haven't done anything. And Guinevere to be like, cuck, and instead, and instead, Arthur's like, we haven't spent a lot of time together. It's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. It's all on me. I'm, you know, my son's gone. We should put like, we should put this right. Come sit with me. Sit with my wife. Let's hang out. Let's chill. Tell me a story. And he's like, mm-hmm. I haven't done anything. And she's like, you haven't done anything yet, dear. It's okay. We know you're destined for great things. And he's just like, these fucking people are so nice. And I have done jack shit. <laughs> but in a layabout. Yeah, it's great. Plus, they're so old and frail. Um, also, I feel like I can't let this podcast end without saying Kate Dickey and Ralph Innocent. It's a witch reunion. Mm, I do like her a lot. Uh, they're both pretty I, fantastic. I just recognize her mainly from Game uh, of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. It's funny when I see her in things that are uh, contemporary because I think we're so used to having her cast mm-hmm. in period pieces now or period pieces where she's supposed to be a little bit witchy or a little bit mysterious or uh i don't know magical in some way that uh yeah i i love seeing her in in modern performances too kate dickey she's great it's like Uh, kate dickey and sean harris prometheus reunion so oh yeah i i was like oh arthur who's playing arthur who's that guy what do i know him from and then the second he spoke i was like oh right mission impossible everything yeah (laughs) that gravelly voiced motherfucker yeah Yeah. so it sounds like we all liked it to varying degrees (laughs) this has been a a fun podcast i've gotten to talk about fatherhood christianity and the distillery so i've hit my bases Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i got to talk about nerdy historical shit and getting fussy about things on screen if only i'd been able to work my friend killing himself in college into this this would have been like a grand slam for me There's always time. There's always the existentialism that's, you know, rumbling underneath the surface with you. Yeah. Yeah. We did talk about me snapping. That was definitely one of many snaps mm-hmm. in my life. Um, I can't think of the word snap without thinking of the of hot dogs now. It's like the snap of the hot dog. Oh, what? yeah. You get, a, you get a good hot dog in that casing snaps. That's how you yeah. know it's a good hot Then dog. you hear the snap. So anytime you're talking about your snapping, I immediately have a hot dog that bumps into my brain. I think of the mm. West Side Story. Hmm. Anyway. Oh, that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, yes, I decided to snap, so I don't know what I was talking about. Um, B, 
be cool, boy. And uh, anyway, uh, what else? Is there anything else we want to say? Is there? Let's 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 refocus. Is there anything else that Roxana would like to say before we wrap up? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think see it. It's good. And uh, and yeah, that's it. Awesome. Yes, I uh, likewise agree that people should see it, and it is good. Um, again, a lot of people on the Patreon Slack did not enjoy the film even even our benevolent lord master jordan rapp didn't like this movie that much he said it was one of his biggest disappointments because he was so looking forward to it and he's liked everything else that lowry's done and he was shocked at himself for not liking it and it's um, a little slow okay but jordan liked ghost story all right so like (laughs) i i literally despise ghost story and you couldn't pay me to watch it again so it's very it's interesting seeing the distinctions between who likes which Lowry? Yeah, there's I mean, there's well, no pie eating in this. Yeah, sadly. That, that's, sadly. that pie eating scene is just guts me. Um, what was I going to say? I had another thing to say. I've liked every Lowry that I've seen. I'm sure he's got like one movie that I haven't seen. Um, but I sometimes make my daughter watch Pete's Dragon. <laughs> make oh, her. <laughs> no, you monster. That Pete's Dragon is so good. Broke my heart. It's oh yes. my God. such a great movie. I had no I had no idea. And me and my friend went to go see it because we we just we saw a lot of movies together. And he he constantly recalls like us sitting in the theater together and like he he started weeping and I started weeping and we we both looked at each other and we just kind of nodded at each other and we just started watching the movie again and it was just like fuck what was that that we just watched what did we sign up when for? did you start weeping was it when he's howling to try to get Elliot I don't, to come I and don't. rescue him I don't directly remember. I'm okay. I'm gonna try and talk my fiance to watch uh, this uh, soon because she always gets a kick out of watching me cry at movies because I don't cry at hardly anything in life, and for some reason movies just just get it to me. I so. think there's something about. I was just reading this weekend about alexithemia. And this is not a generalization about you, Bill, but there's this idea that um, alexithemia is this thing where people are not in touch with their emotions. And it, it, it's like the clinical version of it, not like, oh, he's so not in touch with his emotions. But it does happen that a lot of men, you know, experience this thing where they can't articulate or don't know what they're feeling. And I think it's probably a lot more common for men to cry at movies than they are to cry at things in real life because of the stakes involved. And, you know, I've seen this with my husband, for example, where he's much more likely to tear up or have like the single tear running down his face than he would be <laughs> to ever, you know, actually break down. Like I've been with him for nine years. He's never cried once. Uh, and yeah, I don't think he's, he says he hasn't cried since he was like 15, but Damn. if he was watching like, I don't even know what it was like. I can't even remember some something oh, for like a big I've, I've battle cried, scene. Or I've, I've battle cried scene. at the Bachelorette. Like I've I've just gotten okay. like emotionally <laughs> invested in some of these people, and I'm just like, what the fuck is going See, on? For me, and she's like, she's like, are you boohooing about this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why. It's because you're so not how- in touch with your real life emotions that you have to get it out through these artificial circumstances. I, it says me, you're an analyst. Apparently, so for me, for me, it's that. Only Almost every time that I've been in a situation where I can feel very intense emotions, I am in a position where I need to be in control of that situation. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not you like suck it back into your eyeballs. 
Yeah, pretty. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like I, I, yeah, it's, oh, oh, what is it? It's uh, the chance that. of meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's like, so like, oh, cool, I get to do it. When my best friend killed himself in college, I had like a five minute breakdown in a kitchen where I was working at the time. And then for like the next seven months, I had to be like completely together because I had to hold together all of my emotionally fail, frail friends who were like falling apart. And um, so it became imperative to me. To not let myself be overwhelmed by my emotions. And it, a, a month after that happened, my uncle passed away and I had to go to the funeral. And my father pulled me aside and was like, I'm watching your mother. You have to watch your grandparents, you know, break. And so we did that. Like every time something like that happens, it is it is a situation where like I am not able to have the space to grieve or feel it on my own. Because I have to help everyone else. Uh, Robin, this goes back to when you said that you could tell the type of woman that Mm. I would be interested in by all of my negative characteristics and said I probably had a savior (laughs) complex. I didn't say it was your negative characteristics. Every characteristic that you you named was deeply negative. (laughs) And anyway. Savior behavior? Whoa. So, so like, what, what then happens is, like, but if I'm alone eating a a small bowl of potato chips and watching like the leftovers or Manchester by the sea, I can feel those emotions and let them be like a cathartic, you know, proxy outlet because at that moment I don't Mm -hmm. have to go and make sure that my grandmother is doing all right because her son just died or make sure that another one of my friends isn't going to kill themselves because suicide is contagious. So like that's, Mm -hmm. that's how I see it a lot. Like if I am consuming some kind of entertainment I'm not in a position where it's immediately imperative that I like police or, you know, help to guard the people around me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're proving my theory. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's because I'm still feeling it. I'm just not allowed to like express it. So I don't know if that falls directly under what was it? It, it may not. Lexa- Alexithemia. I'd never heard of it. Maybe it's pronounced lexithymia. I'm not sure. Interesting. It's just this idea that you're what you're feeling and what you think you're feeling are disconnected oh i bet that ted lasso has that no yeah ted lasso is like the king of just turning it off yep anyway uh (laughs) join us next week when we'll be talking about ted lasso um (laughs) what are we talking about next week robin we are talking about val sweet Mm. valley baby Mm -hmm. very excited for that one oh i saw it so i'm excited to talk about it Ah, I'm excited gotcha. to see it, and then that will determine whether I'm excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, it's a, it'll be a rich conversation because obviously it's about the career of Val Kilmer, and thus there's a lot more to talk about than just the documentary. How much time do they spend on his uh, his part in Song to Song? I don't even know what that is. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, all right. Anyway, Val Kilmer was like my favorite actor when I was a young, young boy. Um, so, oh, this will be a perfect conversation then. Yep. Super. For me, is he Iceman? Yeah, he's, he's Iceman. He's Ice dangerous. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Um, super, he's also Batman. He, yeah, he was Batman. I was super excited because I was like, Iceman's Batman? And he's, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so that's it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for sticking with us and, uh, you know, following us on this Green Knight-esque meandering journey through uncertainty and religious imagery and personal folly and pain and anguish. And come. 
<laughs> lots of cum. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's <this is laughs> time for us to wrap up. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. Don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30 trial movie so you can check out The Brothers Bloom, which is on there right now, which is amazing. And um, yeah, that is it. So let's tell the fine people at home where it can be found between now and the next time. And let us begin, as always, with our guest, Roxana Dotti. Where can people find your work online? Um, you can find me at Pajiba, Vulture, AV Club, Polygon, Kirk and Marquee, a bunch of various places. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Roxana underscore Haddadi. All right, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, where I will be telling you that life is just a game, but it's really fucking serious. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram and then mixing it up on the Slack channel. <laughs> All right. Rumbar. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Um, you can also find some of my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. As for me, uh, you can find my writing on my personal site, BrianJeroen.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, uh, Facebook at Brian J. Rowan, <laughs> Letterboxd at Brian J. Rowan. I'm trying, I swear to God, I'm trying to keep up with my letterbox, but it's been a really weird year. Um, I don't know if everyone else has felt that way, but for me personally, it's been a weird year. Um, and of course, uh, follow me on Instagram at Brian J. Rowan. If you would like to come to my distillery... And challenge me. I will grant you one free blow, but be aware that I will <laughs> return it in kind one year hence. Um, go to schmidtspirits.com to learn more about that and how you can uh, find me and fight me. And also don't forget that every episode of this year podcast, as well as my writing, is on the film stage at thefilmstage.com. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week.